This is It Just Takes One. One person, one experience, one idea, one moment to change your life. Here's what's coming up on today's show. Especially for younger people, it's just, it's so hard to realize that what's meaningful, what's true, what will make a difference in your life tomorrow, five years from now, 15 years from now, is, isn't whether or not you get that job. It's the right, it's, it's the journey to find the right one and the right direction. At the risk of dating myself a bit here, I'm going to make a statement that connects to the episode today. And the connection is this. When I was getting out of college and beginning my career path, the vast majority of people at that point picked a career and stayed with it for decades. Oftentimes, people would stay in the same job until they retired. That is not the case anymore. <laughs> you can look around, even maybe in your own experience, and recognize that people make many career changes now. I think I read somewhere that the average person changes their career seven times during the span of their job working years. That's a lot of pivoting. And each one of those pivots is a challenge. Well, in today's episode, I am talking with Clayton Apgar and Billy Clark. They are the best-selling authors of The Little Book to Land Your Dream Job. They help people discover their own attributes, figure out how to position themselves in a way that they can go out and pursue the career that they are interested in, and that would be a good fit for them. They help you go through the pivot and everything that that entails, and also create the presentation, how you actually present yourself to these new employers or potential job opportunities. We talk a lot about that. We talk a lot about networking, some of the very basic things that you can do to get started if you are someone who's interested in changing career, starting a career, or pivoting in your current career. And the book itself actually shares some very practical tools and tips. In fact, some of them are even old school. They give a whole section on what to wear when you go for an interview, how to prep and prepare a resume, how to write a cover letter, and of course, how to write a thank you note. We cover these topics and many more in today's episode, so I invite you to sit back and listen in as Clayton Apgar and Billy Clark share their story. Clayton and Billy, hello and welcome to It Just Takes One. It's so great to have you both here. It's great to be here. We've had a, a chance to talk along the way of the process of, of publishing your book, but I have actually not had a chance to see you since the book was published. And I've got my copy here already with my notes for today, um, but I'm showing it to all of you that are watching this as a video. Congratulations to both of you on the success already of the little book to land your dream job. Thank you. Thank you, Kelly. We could not, needless to say, we could not have done it without you. Um, and Greg, uh, your partner in crime, we're so appreciative and it's, uh, we are um, grateful for the reception too and that it's out in the world. Yeah, it's out in the world, starting to do its thing. We're gonna talk about it. We're gonna share some of what this book is about, uh, but let's just get into this by sharing how we connected. It's always kind of interesting because we work with authors all over the world and I'm always fascinated by how they come to us. Uh, mm -hmm. But we have a very special connection. So I want to give a good shout out to her. I'm going to pass it to you, Clayton, because it is your connection as well. But why don't you go ahead and share the story of how we are here today? I would be delighted to. Uh, we met through my sister, Sarah Apgar, uh, who is the founder of a fantastic fitness, uh, revolutionary fitness company called Fit Fighter. Um, and I know you have worked with 
uh, Sarah, uh, over a number of years uh, have been instrumental to her growth and success, maturation uh, as a professional and as a person. Uh, and so when she and I were talking about this manuscript that Billy and I had finally written after years of talking about it, she said, well, you absolutely need to speak with Kelly because she will make your literary dreams a reality. <laughs> and here we are. And here we are. That's exactly right. Sarah uh, is, is an amazing person and is developing a great product right now through Fit Fighter and was a great connection with you, Clayton. But then, of course, Billy, to meet you along the way as well has been just a great treat. <laughs> Uh, listen, I we, we love all the Apgars, Sarah included, um, <laughs> and have had really great luck with you know with Scriptor and what you guys have provided, Kelly. We're, we couldn't we couldn't have done it without you. So thank you. I actually remember Sarah mentioned. I think you guys were in New York with her, right? Were you out on at the um, Fit Fighter Studios and and you did a little impromptu podcast with her, didn't you? Do something live or yeah. uh, recorded something? Yeah. We did. We were we were actually um, uh, further out east, so we were all on Long Island. Um, but Billy and I were together, and she was in the Fit Fighter studio. So we did a, a video chat um, with the Fit Fighter crew and her audience, which was great fun. Excellent. So you you wrote a book, and who knew that you would be doing podcasts? You know, with Fit Fit Fighter and fitness companies, right? <laughs> New. We're game. We're game. Point us We're in whatever game. direction. <laughs> that's exactly right. And you know, actually, yeah. that that's it's kind of an interesting thing because as I've gotten to know you, as I've read your book and worked with you over these past few months, you two sort of have had this meandering path of how the two of you came together. And so I'd like to share a little bit of your backgrounds to kind of give the audience a little perspective and, and to understand who you are and how you came to be here today uh, sitting on this podcast, but actually working for the company together. Um, let's start with you, Billy, because your path sort of went one direction, a little different than Clayton's did. So share a little bit about your background and how it is that you ended up where you are right now. Right. So um it was uh, sort of interesting. I would say my meandering happened earlier. Um, and then I kind of was one of those folks that um, didn't have a lot of career pivots. Um, rather, it just was kind of this continuous through through line, um, but with, with reinvention, let's leave it at that. Um, so I grew up originally in the suburbs of Chicago, um, went to school in Boston, um, was dead set on living in New York after school. Um, you know, this is 2004. And so I was really keen on, I'd interned in finance, I'd worked in investor relations and thought, you know, as a studying you know, marketing and business undergrad that like, that was a, a, you know, a direction and, you know, post, post university, like at the time I thought, okay, you can work in finance, you can work in advertising. And that was kind of it. <laughs> um, and so I ended up working, um, in investor relations for a year. Um, and it wasn't, you know, I knew it at the time that this wasn't really where I felt connected. Um, I'd been involved in some of the on-campus recruiting for the next, uh, you know, class of uh, graduates coming into the into the company, um, and thought, "Wow, like I really enjoy this piece of the action." Um, you know, it felt really engaged personally. It was less about a product and more about like, you know, the development of you know someone's personal journey. Um, Met with you know my former at the time uh, this gentleman by the name of Jack Kelly worked with him you know he offered me a job after our first meeting um, and he owned a very small search firm um, that focused on design and architecture um, two things that I was passionate about but had real no real experience in um, and you know 23 24 years old I kind of said like sure why not so um, that was my first kind of you know meander into a field I knew very little about. Um, but at that age, I knew that at that age, what did I have to lose? It's not like I had this, you know, the responsibilities of a family or a mortgage or what have you. And I was just building a building a foundation. Um, and for me, it was a, a great, 
you know, the, the firm and by then, you know, boss and eventual partner, business partner, um, afforded me the opportunity to kind of really grow and flex a muscle that I, you know, probably wouldn't have been able to do in a large corporate environment. Um, and so we worked together for 11 years, um, built up the business tremendously, opened an office in Los Angeles and kind of just created this whole thing. Um, we got to a point where I was ready to kind of, you know, my big meander, um, was ready to hang my own shingle. And um, Jack and I had, you know, a great relationship and rapport. He was kind of ready to move on. So bought him out of the business, you know, sort of changed the name and motored on to the next generation. And that was a little over five years ago. Um, and along the way, um, early on, had met with Clayton, um, you know, literally months after starting the business. Um, and he was excited about, you know, a potential, you know, collaboration and working together and, you know, asking about the notion of having a full-time LA presence. He had, you know, departed his design career and was looking for his next iteration. And it kind of just flowed. Um, you know, again, we talk about this in the book. I didn't have this, you know, MBA style business plan of like what needs to happen first, second, third. Um, I kind of knew I knew the business. I'd been in it for, at the time, 11 plus years. I understood how a business like mine operated and how it you know, generated revenue. And if growth you know, for us was going to be on a geographic level, I, did, I needed to have someone in California full time. Um, was I totally prepared at that moment to like onboard a senior person? Not really, but um, you know, when I knew that people like Clayton in that functionality would only come up so so often, um, and I felt really good about the decision to let, let let's do this. Um, I guess then I can turn it over to you if you want to sort of segue from there in terms of your your journey with me, but then also how you got into you know this whole crazy business to begin with. Sure, sure. The uh, the my abridged version um, that Billy alluded to uh, involves similarly after college uh, moving to New York. Uh, because that's what you did and where most people I knew were headed. Uh, and uh, pursuing a half-baked notion of uh, being a professional actor, because I liked public speaking. I generally liked to perform, but really had never acted before, save for a college introductory acting class. So did that for a number of years, uh, went to grad school for it, um, basically applied the same approach, didn't know I was doing so at the time, uh, to, uh, to the subsequent careers I've had. And then to, and it, it's uh, really a part of our methodology as well, um, which was to, to choose a direction, do a deep dive into it, and then really put, um, put the pieces in place I could see were necessary <clears throat> to slowly continue on a trajectory with a long game in mind. So over those first two years, I did every bit of acting, theater, class, whatever I could do, had a survival job in public relations at a nonprofit, uh, really with uh, the notion to build up a resume uh, and then apply to grad school. Because I was told, well, that's, that's a way to distinguish yourself in an industry where there are a lot of people, a lot of great people, a lot of amazing actors, uh, and and you need to figure out the ways to distinguish oneself when, frankly, it isn't always uh, or often about talent. After grad school, that did provide the springboard, so I worked for several years as a professional actor, finally making money at it, uh, and that's when I discovered uh, finally doing it, being in shows, eight day, eight performances a week doing TV, doing film that I didn't really like the career of acting, loved the craft of it, being in a classroom uh, with very talented people um, and exploring it, but didn't love the day in and day out of it. Uh, so that was a, a kind of professional crisis for me, having spent 10 years uh, doing that around age 30. Uh, then uh, my uh, wife and I moved to LA for her career. She's an actress, that's how we met. Um, and I use that as an opportunity to make a wholesale pivot and realize that in my spare time, I was always thinking about design, um, design, architecture, the built environment. So again, uh, starting from square one, followed the same approach, 
doing whatever I could, uh, putting the word out to friends and family uh, to build a resume of modest uh, interiors projects because without any schooling or training, that was the one area of design I could get into, very low barrier uh, to entry. <laughs> if you can convince people to turn over their rooms to you and let you do things with them. Uh, and I spent two years building that resume to then walk into um, a, uh, a legendary design studio in LA, uh, walk in the front door with my little portfolio and say, I'd like to work here. And, um, and went through that interview process and was hired. So then spent um, some time doing that. And similarly, it's almost like I had two major false starts <laughs> before finding the, the true, true North direction. I realized I love design, but don't need to do it myself. Um, loved working with creative people, which was the through line from acting, um, but didn't need to be a practitioner of that craft. And that led, uh, led me to depart design, but while doing so had heard that if you're ever interested in a creative career, you need to, to call Billy Clark and see what his thoughts are. So as Billy mentioned, we started chatting and, uh, and over a few conversations started to kick around the idea. Uh, I think I mentioned it offhand in one call, would he ever consider bringing me on board uh, on the West Coast to expand the practice out here? And then I couldn't believe he, he said, let's talk further, but he did. And, uh, and so um, one thing led to another and here we are. So he's now on the East Coast, I'm on the West Coast, and we forged this, this great partnership over the last uh, six years that has um, uh, expanded our search business greatly, the, the core of what we do, and then allowed us to uh, take that methodology and finally last year put it into a book to share it with, uh, with everyone we possibly could, not just the candidates and the clients we work with on a daily basis. Yeah. And, and, and it's exactly what your book does. It, it kind of puts this experience and this knowledge together for anybody that is looking to land a job, not specifically in the design or architectural world, although that's your world, uh, but it is for anybody. Right before we got on the call, I said to you, I, I look at, at what you're doing and what this book presents as, as a very fresh perspective on old school traditions. And I think listening to the paths that you two took, there are some things that were different, but some things that were in common. And I think it, it, it lends itself to this new way of, of creating a career. Hmm. Both of you made some major pivots and you have a great quote in the book that says it's, it's on the trees, skinny branches that we best see the view. You guys went out on those skinny branches a couple of times. You have an entire section in the book on pivoting. But, you know, the old school tradition was you find a career and you stay with it. We know that's not the world as it is today. It's not the world that you two live and, and the paths that you took what can you share with the audience about standing out on those skinny branches? What are the things they need to know about standing out on those, uh, taking that leap and, and, and kind of going out where it feels a little insecure? Clayton, what's your thought on that? I think when, A, it's to acknowledge that it's scary um, because, and it can be scary for different people for different reasons. I mean, some might feel a lot more uh, comfortable with walking out there, um, but also don't feel like they have the agency necessarily to, um, to grab a career direction of their own because they didn't grow up that way, because uh, they feel pressures from whomever or whatever. And others then legitimately have uh, real concerns uh, uh, professional, financial, otherwise, about what taking that risk might look like, and then how to do it while, as for mo the vast majority of us, you still have a full-time job. Mm -hmm. um, so the the first is to acknowledge it's scary. The second is to uh, acknowledge, too, that it takes a lot of work, 
the the end result can be so gratifying and and transformative, but that it um, it, it in the short term it can feel like another full time job, uh, and you're not alone in that. Um, and then third. Uh, as you're walking out there, um, so much is about um, prep research and preparation and, and really uh, not just uh, thinking through in general terms, but analyzing specifically um, the full range of your, as we call them, attributes, which are broader than skills, broader than educational, um, educational skills, professional skills. Um, they're the, the hard and soft aspects of your being that you might never have thought you can bring to a professional context. In a service-based economy especially, you absolutely can. And sometimes they are critical. Some of the reasons I think Billy hired me, they were not things that I had picked up um, sitting at a computer in a, a design studio or certainly uh, running around a stage in New York. Um, so they weren't skill or industry specific. So you take, so doing that deep dive and then researching, uh, using that to research an industry uh, in which you're interested, uh, in particular companies you, you love, um, those can be the anchors to allow you to then figure out how you might uh, make an approach, make a pivot from one industry to the next. Um, so those are thoughts. And Billy, I don't know if you have others we're talking about just walking out into the scary place on the skinny branches to see to see what uh, next um, iteration of one's career might might look like. Um, so I think that um, I think it's exhibited by both Clayton and, and I. Um, knowing that's like dipping one's toe in the water is is the only way you're going to figure it out um it doesn't necessarily have to be a, you know a, a sailor dive <laughs> into, into the shallow end <laughs> um it can be something that is over time and it can be conversation driven with people that are in the space um again as clayton mentioned there's an inventory gathering period of like where have you been what have you done what is the application of, of those skills of that capacity but then also you know just engaging in conversation and figuring out okay is this something that makes sense because we found you know over time in our search practice what the job pretends to be or seems to be from the outside versus what it is when you're actually like in the chair you know five days a week can be very different and so the idea of it might be really exciting. You know, there, there's that meme on, you know, there's Instagram versus reality meme that people post regularly on social media. It's totally true. Um, it can seem like one thing, but then when you're actually in it, it's it's diametrically opposed to what you'd expected. And so I think um, as many conversations as you can have, the better. Um, so that's, we, we, we strongly encourage anyone to, to start there. Um, it doesn't cost anything. Um, and, and finding those, you know, people often ask, well, Billy, how do you find someone to have a conversation with? Um, you know, once you, it's no problem to start it, start it, start it once you know who to talk to. And we advise um, a great place to start can be your academic, you know, institution. So, you know, your alumni networks um, in whatever city you're in, or, you know, most universities are really great now about you know, it's not, the career center doesn't close the minute you graduate. So maybe there's a way to, and we found that the, you know, the alumni connection is a really good way to start. Um, because, you know, people that, you know, that you shared a similar experience with are oftentimes more apt to have, there's a nostalgia around it. So it's a great place to start for young, young professionals, or even professionals that are making a pivot at 40 or 50. Um, you know, again, lean, lean on the academic institution. Um, they've got tremendous resources and it's in their best interest, you know, to make their, to keep their successful alumni in touch. 
true. Absolutely true. I'm actually really glad you brought that up because my kids, we were just talking about Clayton's got a two-year-old, but my kids are all uh, young adults. Mm -hmm. My youngest is just started her second year at UVM, uh, but my other kids are, are graduated and are in this space that you're describing right now, Billy, where they are trying to figure out what they want to do um, just because they have a degree in something like you said doesn't always translate into the career path that yeah. they really want to be in they don't know where to begin they don't know how to begin and and the other piece that they are experiencing and i'll let you guys speak to this is this fear of rejection and mm -hmm. and this fear of failure or that they're going to you know not be able to do the job that they might think that they might be interested in. So mm -hmm. I know this isn't just unique to the, that age group, <laughs> it could be to anybody, but this is my life that I live with these kids trying to find their careers. They each got a copy of your book, P.S. Uh, but I would love for you to speak a little bit about the fear factor. Um, I thought it was a good gift. Like, you know, hint, hint, here. Here's yeah, some good things you can gra gradu Graduation late summer. There right. are, or in the, or we joked, you know, amidst the pandemic, a lot of 20-somethings were living at home um, with their mom and dad. So like, okay, like, what do we do? You know, and we've noticed that, Kelly, in this conversation, um, we've been fielding that in our search business, right, where in this current state of the pandemic, I don't wanna say that it's over, but wherever wherever we are, how we're navigating it currently, um, people really are taking stock and inventory in where they are and what they wanna do. Um, and so you know, the notion of a pivot is very much front of mind. Um, and for those, whether they're starting out in their early twenties or their mid thirties or late fifties, it's the same question. And part of the, um, the beauty of, I think, our methodology in the little book is it doesn't, it takes the mysterium and that clandestine, like which generates the fear, the fear feeling that you're speaking about. It's the same process over whether you're a doctor, a lawyer, an architect, a bagger at a grocery store, working at the library, like it doesn't have to be scary and it doesn't have to be, um, you know, uh, stressful. If anything, we should look at it like in a way that this is an exciting, positive experience. One of the things we touch upon in the book is you're going to be doing this for 90,000 hours of a lifetime. That, so that people feel excited about, um, they feel energized and recharged about it as opposed to afraid. Um, you know, the rejection component, we tell this to candidates all the time that don't get the job. It's like, it wasn't the job for you. And you just don't know that yet you will find the right job eventually. And that's easy to say sometimes, um, but the more conversations you have about it, the more honing that you do in terms of finding the right role or right opportunity, you don't know until you've tried something and failed at it or not gotten it because it wasn't right. Um, and so there is this component of let's, let's, let's have it be, it's all in the mindset and how you're approaching it. If you're going to look at it from a scary through a scary lens, it's going to be fear fear inducing. But if you're looking at this like, okay, how do I really want to invest my time? How do I really want to engage professionally? It becomes a challenge. If anything, it's it's exciting and it's less about being, oh my god, I didn't get it, or I'm not good enough, or I don't have the right credentials. It's more about the app, you know, because it is a relationship, employee employer, and it's not always like that. They they don't. You might not be right for the job and that's totally okay mm -hmm. and something and like that's just something we have to live with and you'll find the right job eventually and it might take three or four iterations to do that you know and therefore um, thank goodness well, you yeah and therefore thank goodness you didn't get that job if it if it if it wasn't the right one um since we do spend so much of our waking lives within some career context uh you what's most meaningful about the search is that is that right match career trajectory each role the relationships you have and so it's it's i think often especially with younger people just who have grown up in a world where so so much of success feels like it has to do with these um, markers of achievement or what seem like that it's getting something it's winning something it's achieving something, um, especially with career that masks what's really meaningful, 
which is what is the best match because you'll be happiest on a daily basis if you end up in the right job, not the, in the right job, the right company in the right industry or, or creating your own your own uh, business, one you never expected to be, <laughs> be in as Billy as, as happened with Billy and, and me. Um, so I think for, especially for younger people, it's just, it's so hard to realize that what's meaningful, what's true, what will make a difference in your life tomorrow and five years from now, 15 years from now is, isn't whether or not you get that job. It's the right, it's, it's the journey to find the right one and the right direction. Absolutely. And I will say that is part of the fresh perspective that I think both of you bring to this, to this topic, to this conversation, because you start with this belief that it, it starts inside, that it's this, you have to look at yourself. And, and as you described earlier, Clayton, your attributes and, and this, this inner deep dive before you even begin to go out there. Mm -hmm. So instead of the, you know, the external, I have a degree in this, therefore I'm looking at this set of jobs <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> We're taking this new idea of, now let's just start with you and see what, who you are and, and what you do. How, how can somebody do that? If you were, I know a lot of it's in the book. I don't want to give away too much. Let people get a lot of this in the book, but if you could give people one or two ideas on, on how to begin that internal dive, I suppose, um, this internal view of, of who you are, what would you suggest? You know, we tell candidates regularly, you should be updating your resume consistently. Um, it's the same process internally. And I guess the resume is a great place to start as sort of, because it's easy, it's very difficult just to sit down with a blank piece of paper and say, okay, like, what are my attributes, right? So if you're gonna break it down from um, where you've started, it's okay. You know what? What's what did I accomplish in the past job or the previous role, or what did I learn at school? And you know, it's it, and it transcends the skill of like knowing how to use Microsoft Excel, but more like, wow, I really enjoy analytical, data-driven work. Like I love that part of my job, or I really didn't like that part of my job. Like I was involved in you know direct you know, client correspondence, and that I found to be really stressful. That's something that's not an attribute of mine. That's something I don't want in my next move. Um, and what does that look like career-wise? Um, you know, we talk about this pretty consistently throughout the book, but it's, you know, it's, it's gathering those attributes and, you know, compiling that list and then decide, deciding where, how to cast yourself with those attributes. How do you move forward with them? Once you've made the list, what do you do? What's um, and knowing how to find an organization um, that best fits those, those proclivities that you've, that you have, um, and who's really going to, who's really going to exercise their, in, maximize their utility. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I would uh, add to that, uh, um, as you're starting to catalog those attributes, um, as you're thinking about it in terms of resume, um, as, as a kind of compilation, uh, you can also um, create a broad landscape for what um, those things that are important to you uh, might mean, uh, because it it could be, and for everybody, it could be different. Uh, but so often in life we have, uh, as we discuss, our, our challenge is as much in sequencing, like what, what, we, what we want, what should come first, second, and third. And sometimes we actually know the answers, but then we start out trying to accomplish uh, the third step in the chain as opposed to the first. Uh, or we try to do them all at once. And in a job search, even, a more standard job search, people often get caught up in trying to do multiple things instead of asking, well, what, what, what is first most important? For somebody, it might be geography. And if you know deep down for whatever reason that you really wanna be in Los Angeles, California, then you can focus your search there uh, and look deeper into that market instead of also dividing your time looking at, at opportunities in New York. Because there, there are only so many hours in a day. And, and that's how you can apply strategy 
to what otherwise can just seem like the vast ocean in front of you of companies and jobs and markets, et cetera. Absolutely. And in the book, you you define, you have these four P's and you define this as all part of the profile piece, the, the first P of, you know, doing this, this exploration and taking the time to, to do some of the things that you've described. The other P's that you list out are preparation, pivot, presentation, and you actually sneak in a bunch more P's in there too. But those are the major, <laughs> those are the major sections, the major uh, takeaways that like you alliteration. want to get, right? Yeah. And, and P's actually lend themselves to a beautiful alliteration. Um, so, so profiling is the beginning of the process. This, this deciding who you are and what your skills are, what your interests are just within yourself. And then there's this preparation piece, the pivot and the presentation. Just again, not giving away everything, but just touch briefly, if you would, on each of those, just so people kind of get an idea of what what your process is. Um, preparation, pivot, and presentation. Mm -hmm. I do like those P's. Yeah. <laughs> well, in um, preparation, uh, very much has to do with then the the work of when you go into the world, when you're chatting with people. Uh, uh, when you're approaching people, even when you're uh, at simply applying for a job, that that you do um, what amounts to some some comprehensive work, so that you are as prepared as prepared as possible, so that your profile that you've worked so hard on uh, is cogent uh, and, and can be received as warmly as possible. Um, and we and that that speaks to presentation as well because we see still really talented professionals in our case a lot of people in creative fields who um, who have missed some of those pieces uh, even as simple as the value of of um, clear writing. Uh, who have missed those pieces and therefore their 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 profile as presented in the world uh, is holding them back a bit. And in in a world with so so much, frankly, so many people um, trying to do so many of the roles that we might do, uh, having an uh, an A plus presentation of yourself, your materials, every aspect of you is can be a leg up. If you focus on it, it's an advantage. And um, even the, the smartest people, sometimes we can all just miss that because life is crazy and we have another job, but everything, everything buttoned up um, can, can be the difference between advancing in an interview process uh, and even getting you a job because of the impression it makes. Yeah, absolutely. But I actually want to, I'm going to put a pin in that because we're going to, another P. Um, we're going to come back to it because it, it actually speaks to your book in particular, um, the idea of the presentation of it being important and that everything speaks. Uh, but I, I want to touch on one thing that you brought up and you've, you've actually mentioned it a couple times. And I think it's another really key aspect of what you are suggesting in terms of finding the path to your, your dream job, whatever that might be. And that is this idea of the networking, of reaching out, and, and you guys have talked about it a little bit, but it's that, um, it reminds me of the book by Dan Sullivan that came out last year, I think, uh, Who Not How. It's, mm. it's this importance that you place on creating these connections and relationships. Billy, do you want to speak a little bit more about that? We were talking about it in terms of alumni um, you know, yeah, connections and that type of thing, but just kind of expand on it just in general. What is the importance of networking? How do you network? And, and how important is who sure, you know so. over what you know? So I think that um, it's, I mean, it's a great point, Kelly. When we found that, um, and it's, it doesn't have to come from a place of like, oh, you went to this fancy school or you had this access through your parents or, you know, a, it, it's more about leveraging the relationships and knowing knowing how to best categorize and like think like okay that's someone I want to keep in my Rolodex and now that it's gone it's gotten all digital and you have relationships whether it's on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or what have you um, those are all points of contact and connectivity that could 
could move forward a career perspective. Um, and we see this pretty consistently with, you know, a lot of our younger candidates um, and, you know, more junior level people that are, you know, out of school a few years, those relationships you're developing oftentimes aren't even geographically, this person could live somewhere completely different. Um, and their exposure, you know, knowing how to keep, keep tabs on folks. And one of the quotes in the book from Ian Nicholson, you, you, it's, it's, it's not just a one-off, like, oh, you had one conversation, it's over. It's how do you consistently stay engaged in this, in this way, in this current, you know, lifetime of, you know, fast and furious immediate gratification, you know, turn the page on every relationship. We found that if you can really hone and continue to develop and foster, whether it's, you know, checking in regularly or even sharing an article or, a, or, or, or an update, um, you know, I read this and thought of you, something interesting, or this was a, a really cool, uh, you know, sharing feedback on something someone puts into the universe, whether it's on Instagram or it's on Facebook or it's on LinkedIn. Um, and so you, you've, you develop and manage relationships um, that can, again, become fruitful professionally. Um, you know, we've always found, you know, when candidates send a thank you note to a client, for instance, it's always great that you mention something that you talked about in the interview. And so who you know, so even if you don't get the job or the job wasn't right for you, you've developed a rapport with that person. You've spent, whether it's 15 minutes or two hours and 15 minutes talking about something and knowing that like, okay, that's me, that was meaningful to both of you and staying in contact. And whether it's, it's sharing, it's sharing information back and forth and knowing that like you have the ability if and when it's not even calling in a favor, but it's if, if and when you've developed this rapport that you could ask for something or that they could reciprocally ask something for you. And we've, I've noticed this as careers further develop, these people become professional friends and you're, you're, you're excited to be in each other's lives and you might not be have, celebrating birthdays together, but you're celebrating other professional milestones. And so just knowing how to keep that, keep those folks, and it can be as simple as like keeping an address book on your Gmail about like who, you know, who's who, where are they, what are they up to? Um, LinkedIn is a great repository for that, but then it's not about just keeping the contact and never using it again, but it's about further dialogue, you know, and aligning yourself with people that um, you're excited about communication with and excited about a, a longer term dialogue because um, who knows where it'll go. Um, so I think that that's something that we we tend to advocate for with, with candidates and with people on this career journey. Um, you never know when you're, you want to say, oh, wow, I remember talking to this guy that, that worked, you know, he was a, he, he worked at Yelp or what have you. And it's like, let's, let's clue him in. Um, as I mentioned with alumni, it's the same thing. When you have a shared connection and a shared interest, people are super excited to help. Um, and for the most part we found, and the ones that aren't like, there's far more that are than aren't. So it's better to, you know, to, to foster those relationships and continually develop them. Um, because you know where someone is today versus two years from now, you know it's not like we're not saying you have to talk to them once a month. It, you know time can pass, but knowing that like oh wow that was a really relevant person at this point in time, let's I'd love to update them of where I am. Um, and we see that a lot in our business, you know in our in our world. Like two years will go by and they'll say oh wow like whatever happened to so and so I should reach out and reconnect. Um, and that's again and it, and that's just because you've dealt with somebody professionally. It's been it's felt it, and they felt they felt good about correspondence and you just keep it going mm -hmm. uh and um it's making me this this uh, billy's commentary is making me think too whether it's um relationships you foster whether it's jobs you apply for and don't get um if one feels like really um outreach to uh potential friends, uh, con professional contacts, that that is also a scary piece of this because of, they're afraid of rejection. I mean, rejection really is a, it's a kind of muscle um, that you can exercise where it become, where it become, doesn't, it's not as momentous. It's not as, as um, traumatic when it doesn't happen because for everyone in the world, we all get rejected and and um and that's that is a necessary part of moving forward it wouldn't make sense if we all got accepted at every last thing we wouldn't end up in as, as good a place because we would end up talking with the wrong people in the wrong job 
because um, everybody said yes to the first thing we applied for, the first uh, conversation we tried to have. Um, so it is a muscle that that um, at first feels like it's hard to exercise, but um, it gets easier and easier. That's a really good analogy. I always love bringing back to the physical muscle building, right? <laughs> you can handle a little more resistance when you're a little bit stronger exactly. after you've moved, moved that exactly. muscle. But, you know, I just had this visual as you were talking there, Clayton, of it just came to me. So I'll share it and get you guys thoughts on it. What you're describing, this this idea of finding your dream job is like a treasure hunt, like you're reaching for that treasure and you're you're pawing through all this stuff and you're picking something up and it's not the treasure. Maybe it's a, a key that you'll use later. So you tuck it away. It's a, it's a mm. relationship or a person like you were describing, Billy, you put it in your contact list. You never know. Right. Mm. And then you look a little further and you find something else. And maybe that was something that was helpful and you can use it, but it's not quite it. But every time that you find one of those things, it's not a rejection. It's just another step toward the true treasure. I, I, I love that. I feel like we are all Nicolas Cage in those national treasures. <laughs> yes. <laughs> My daughter's going to be listening to this and that is her, one of her top movies. That's, that's us. She's going to love that you just brought that up. It is um, though, isn't are, it? Sort of that national yeah. Yeah. Um, it very much feels like that. And that is how you're, you're absolutely right. That's how it's additive. Even a rejection is additive. Um, and uh, we have an anecdote in the book about an early conversation I had with Julie Bowen, who's the actor from Modern Family and Ed, um, uh, very successful and has had a, a long, uh, a long and, and great career. Um, she, as a favor that happened very randomly through early outreach I did when I was first in New York uh, and had no, no idea what I was doing, uh, took me to lunch. And she... Um, and she shared that same sentiment. She said the single most important factor to my success was that early on, um, I realized that acting, her chosen career, um, was very much a, a kind of a journey in attrition uh, that she expected to be uh, to go on 50 auditions and get one call back which isn't even getting the part, that's the next round in the audition. And then 50 callbacks before she might get one um, actual acting job. And, and that, that that was the fundamental um, secret for her uh, because she had a lot of other friends who struggled more with um, how to take, take that rejection. So the treasure hunt for her, all of those uh, auditions she went on that she didn't get, especially the ones where she feel, felt like she did amazing work. Why didn't they cast her? Were um, the key to the, to the treasure box or the map that leads to the next clue. Yeah. yeah. Great, great connection there. I want to pull the pin out of the thing I put in earlier um, and, and, and move along to talk more about the, the book as, as an object, as, as opposed to the tool that it is, um, and, and the writing process, because a lot of the people listening to this podcast or watching it are people who have probably have a dream of writing a book or have done some writing and, and aren't quite sure they, they're ready for this next step. So they're listening because they're wanting to get ideas and, and advice, maybe some inspiration or motivation. So I'm, I'm going to take the pin out of the note I left earlier about everything speaks and come back to the, the book itself and the writing process. Now, my book doesn't look quite as nice and clean because I have my notes for today in it. <laughs> it's a beautiful book. It actually, even just the feel, the cover has a nice kind of velvety feel to it. It's clean. The, the images of you two on the back are beautiful. The, the visual aspect of the book is clean and easy to see and read and follow. I know that was really important to you, not just because you're in the design space, but, but it was really important to you because this is a platform book. This is you now being able to go out into the world and you wanted it to reflect who you are. Share your advice, your thoughts, your experience on what it was like to actually create the book itself. 
um, and, and any thoughts that you have for somebody who may be wondering about that process? Sure, I'll, I'll start with that. Um, this goes harkens you know, back to the notion of presentation, Kelly. And I think we, um, and we talk about this in the book too, we're all about once you've put something into, into the universe, it's there. And particularly in a digital, in a digital way, um, whether that's your social media profile, whether it's your, you know, email correspondence with a client, with a friend, what have, whatever. And so for us, we wanted to be in a situation where we had the ability to control what we were putting into the universe. And so as a collaborator, you understood our threshold for what that needed to look like. And so as we were developing this through the multiple iterations, like we could have published the book far faster or, um, you know, we've also found like, or, or in a, um, in a lower quality format. Um, but we've also found that in any process, and this is to, you know, any potential author or anyone in general, like really focus on the genius of what you're really good at to put something together. So Clayton is an amazingly talented writer. I'm an amazingly talented editor. So in terms of how we went rift back and forth, we both, we both weren't trying to write the same paragraph. Like, and that became a, a much more symbiotic fluid relationship in putting the book together. Um, or neither of us are graphic designers. So we knew that like, we needed to engage a really great graphics person. We had a vision, we had an idea. Um, we also knew that like, you know, in, in collaborating with the team at Scriptor, we didn't know whether paper should be yellow or white. Like, okay, that's a, that's a decision you have to make. And we fortunately, Clayton and I see eye to eye and a lot on, you know, aesthetic things similarly, um, but even selecting the font down to those details, all of the, like the mountains that seem insurmountable in this process, if you break them down into kind of sequential decisions, it's not that complicated. Um, we joked if anything, writing the damn book was easier than anything else. <laughs> um, you know, then it goes, it, you, even the question of like, once the book is done, you have should the jacket be matte? Should it be shiny? Do you want a jacket at all or no jacket? Like, should the book be eight and a half by 11? Should like all these different, you know, decisions we had to make, um, were fantastic. We're, we're, we're great because we, we, we engaged and worked with the, the people that were the best in their, their avenue or their lane. Um, and so I, you know, and that didn't mean it had to be expensive or had to be costly, what have you. We found a way to like work with really good collaborators so that the product we put into the universe was top shelf for us, that we felt it was something representative of where we wanted to be. Because again, the content is almost secondary to the presentation sometimes. And so in order for someone to pick this book up at a Hudson Booksellers or a Target or whatever, it has to look appealing. It has to feel appealing. Um, the content, once they're in it, we know is engaging. We know that's exciting. Um, I think also one thing that we, um, and Clayton, this is something you may perhaps can sort of riff on, was just the notion of distribution and how to go about actually like getting the book into the hands of readers and whether that's, you know, and I mean that euphemistically, not only like a physical copy, hardcover, paperback, you know, ebook, uh, you know, audiobook, all those various components, we had just had no experience doing. Um, and so through some trial and error, we made, you know, we, we course corrected. Um, and I think the other thing too, none of this is like rocket science and no one is dying. So we have to remember like for things that we committed to or thought this was the way we wanted to do it. And then, you know, a week before the deadline, we're like, actually we want to pivot and do something differently um, because we found some, a better way to go about it. So um, I think allowing yourself to be flexible and a bit fluid um, is important too, particularly for first time pub authors publishing. You just don't, you don't know what you don't know, but the beauty of collaborating with people that are amazing at what they do makes the product that much better. I love that. Yeah. You want to add anything to that, Clayton? Um, I, um, I, I want to emphasize that even if you're, even if you're writing it alone, 
um, that uh, find, finding collaborators is key. Um, and, and I guess the point is you're, you're never actually writing it alone. So, so uh, certainly from a, a design uh, aesthetic perspective, the way it's gonna look and feel, but also the, the text itself, the manuscript itself, um, it's a it's a team that will ever put any book into the universe, and and so um, not to be too precious with it. Um, any any one aspect of it, including all of the genius ideas and words and sentences you think you have within those two um, theoretical covers <laughs> early on, because um, outside perspective editors is um, it makes a product better. And I think one of the, um, to then jump out to just a, a larger thought, one of the reasons that, that Billy and I have been so enjoyed working together and I think has, has been um, instrumental to the growth of our business is that we're, um, we see eye to eye philosophically, but then we um, have complementary attributes in a lot of ways. Uh, and, and so there's no reason for me to do something uh, that Billy excels at and vice versa. And that just leads, leads me back around to um, our, our pivot, our P pivot. If, if that pivot does include ever going out on, thinking about going out on one's own in, in a, uh, a new direction, starting a business, being the entrepreneur you always thought you might be, um, the hardest thing in the world is to find a, a partner in that endeavor but it can also be the difference between um, uh, success and not because of somebody who does those things well that you don't uh, is critical. And Kelly, you, I'm sure you and Greg have found the same thing with Scriptor. I mean, part of the, I'm sure the success of Scriptor has to do with the fact that you all are, um, are partners and you each have your, your lanes uh, and the handoff is seamless, and it really seems critical to bringing. It seemed critical to bring us from the first introduction with you through uh, the published date. Well, I, I appreciate that, and absolutely, and it, and of course, it brings it back to its who, right? It's who. It's who, it's the who in your lives. It's so mm -hmm. important, um, no matter how you're looking at it, whether it's collaborating to write a book and, and getting the team around you for that or or the network that you're creating to go out and get your job. So now that you've got this book out there that does have genius content, that is <laughs> an important piece, that it really is an important piece. It, this is a, it's a real guide for people who don't know what's next for them and are just seeking that. It's out there. It's beautiful. It's important. It's practical. What's next? What are you, what are you doing with it? What do you see uh, happening, coming up in the, uh, as a result of all of this? Yeah, well, I think that for us, we are, um, I think first and foremost, um, we knew that we wanted to do something. The little book is the first of something. Um, and as we mentioned before, Kelly, or you mentioned, it's a platform. So, you know, we have um, in the immediate term, have again, you know, started collaborating with some really interesting people, um, a great publicist that's helping us with, you know, press, which is, you know, turned into some opportunity for speaking engagements. Um, and so kind of taking the show on the road to use an acting terminology, um, you know, and, you know, sharing this with people in, in an open forum. Um, so we're excited about that. Um, I would say that it's, the feedback has been really great from candidates and clients and just general pop, general populace and the sales have been, you know, shockingly great, um, which was, you know, almost an added benefit. Um, cause we weren't looking at this to be like, okay, we, this has to be the million dollar idea rather it was, you know, putting our content into the universe and seeing how, how people respond to it. Um, I would love to say, and I'm, you know, putting this, you know, Clayton and I haven't quite decided what our next subject will be, but, um, you know, we've started a little production company and sort of a, uh, uh, what's the word Clayton press. Um, we intend to, we intend to publish something else. Um, so we'll see what that <laughs> will look like. 
Little Book Press, yeah. So um, uh, imprint is the word I'm looking for. So we know that this will be the first of hopefully many books that are related to career, related to transition, whether it's you know entrepreneurship or it's, again, there's a lot of ways that we see this platform expanding. Um, and now that we've done the first one, I think it's gonna be um, by no means easy, but we understand the process. Um, and so it's now it's more about the content and what do we want to share and um, in the in the shorter term, the activation around the current the current book has been fantastic. Um, so we're excited for more of that. Excellent. Well, I'm excited to see where it goes as well. And, and I think you mentioned it earlier, but it's true. People think that writing the book is the hard part. <laughs> it's only the beginning part. It's only the beginning part. Um, and there's much more to come. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what you create next and, and we'll continue to follow that. If people do want to get in touch with you, if they want to follow, obviously get the book and then follow what you're doing with Little Book Press and the next things coming out, or if they're just interested in getting in touch with you about their career path or um, looking for their dream job, how can they go about getting in touch with you, Clayton? What's the best way? Um, you uh, Check us out on Instagram at Little Book Productions um, is, a great, is a great way and certainly get in touch with us there. Um, that's probably the uh, easiest route. Um, we also have a website for the book, littlebookproductions.com. So um, either one of those, you can find a, uh, a link and send us an email there and, and we would look forward to receiving them. Before we finish up, I do like to end all of our episodes by asking the same question. And the question is, what does the term it just takes one mean to you? Because it always produces an interesting answer. And so, Billy, I'm going to turn it over to you. What does the phrase it just takes one mean to you? So I've been kind of marinating on this since the, since you initially <laughs> posed the question, Kelly. Um, I think for me, like my entire career was predicated on just one coffee meeting with my former you know, employer than business partner. Like I never thought this is what I'd be doing, but that, that took that one meeting, I showed up and my life completely transis transitioned in a way I never expected. And um, I, I feel incredibly fortunate for having gone out on that skinny branch and just jumped in and said, let's do it. Um, I had no idea, I had almost no expectations, I had no idea, um, but it was that it was just that one thing. and. It's, you know, and now I have a public, now I've published a book. So, I mean, who knew that would, who knew that would be the case? It's amazing. I love that. How about you, Clayton? Um, very much agree with that. Uh, certainly it, it just took one, uh, uh, a whole series of ones, um, uh, conversations, relationships, always, you just never know uh, when the next conversation is going to be the one that changes your life. Um, uh, and that's happened for me many times. Um, in the last 20 years. Uh, and also uh, specifically around this book, it just took one phone call with uh, a, a, a gentleman who became a, a collaborator on the book last uh, spring of 2020 um, for Billy and me to finally write it. Um, so another conversation, but specifically we had been talking about this idea, the concept of a book, of capturing our methodology for since we had um, since Billy had created BCCM and I joined uh, slightly after, um, but we had never done it. And he something about that call and the fact that he gave us permission to write it. I mean, that's really what it took. He said, "Just go and write the book." Mm -hmm. And he actually then and then I guess it was just just uh, just takes one deadline because then he said, "And you're going to have a draft to me." by August, I think it was 13th, something like that. And that's what it took to get us to sit down every day and write and, and, and uh, write and edit and write and edit. Um, so it just takes one deadline. <laughs> yeah, and, and people, absolutely. Sometimes that one is just so simple. <laughs> we think it has to be some like, ginormous thing, but you know, yeah. one deadline on a calendar and some pressure to get it done. Um, amazing what happens. Yeah, absolutely. Billy and Clayton, thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity to work with you on this book. 
It's been a pleasure getting to know you through the process. Those of you that are watching or listening, please pick up the book on Amazon, the little book to land your dream job, or as Clayton said at their website, um, littlebookproductions.com. I'll make sure all of that gets in the show notes so that you guys have that. Uh, Clayton and Billy, best of luck going forward. And thank you for joining me today. Thanks Thanks so much, Kelly. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. One of the things that Billy brought up is something that I wanted to point out. He mentioned that we are currently in 2021, as we're recording this, right in the midst of a global pandemic. And one of the things that is happening because of that situation is that people are choosing new careers. There is a lot of pivoting going on. If that is you or someone that you know, I hope you will check out this book. They give you some really practical ways, step-by-step ideas on how how to go about finding that dream job, but they combine it with this philosophical idea that it really starts with you and spending some time focused on who you are, what you enjoy, the attributes, as Clayton mentioned, that are unique to you, and then how to use those to go out and present yourself for these new careers. I love that combination. I think it is where we are in today's world, and I hope you'll check it out. As always, thank you for joining me for another episode of It Just Takes One. If you have not yet subscribed, I encourage you to do so, so that you are notified when new episodes drop. We drop audio episodes on Thursdays each week and video episodes on YouTube on Fridays. Thanks for joining me. And now I'm going to turn it back over to you. It is time for you to go out and be the one.